every successful person got there by going through tough times. Success is a hard-ass teacher who likes to knock you around along that journey. You know, it takes real guts to not give up and keep going. We'll hear stories about failures and how these leaders flip the script to create success. I'm John Schultz. Join me and let's discover how success is never really overnight. They do it when you're on your cut. Go. Just go. <laughs> no, we just so, do it. All right. So here yeah. I go. So well, welcome everyone to the John Schultz podcast. I'm so happy to be here today with Esther Choi. What an amazing guest she's going to be. What an amazing track record at such a young age. Very cool. Very excited. And I'm going to start off by just going through uh, Esther's life a little bit because it's so interesting. So you get a little background on, on who you're going to hear from today. So to start out, uh, Esther went to a pharmacy college, but quick because you hated it. At least that's what I read. Uh, so right <laughs> away at such an early age, you knew what you didn't want, which most people spend their whole lives trying to figure out. Uh, you sold candy to her friends when you were eight and nine years old. I guess you bought candy from Costco. That entrepreneurial spirit right away coming out. That's terrific. You started in restaurants at age 14. You worked at the Food Network as a purchaser for celebrity chefs. So obviously, as time went on, you started figuring out what you, you wanted to be. Uh, you are TV appearances on and a contestant on season two of Bobby Flay, a guest on The Chew, The Today, Judge on Chopped, and Worst Cooks in America. So obviously, that uh, sounds like a lot of fun. Uh, you're currently working on a national expansion through Cook Unit, right? Which is the Ghost Kitchens. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Cook right? Unity, yes. Cook Unity, uh, which is uh, an amazing concept. Uh, obviously, through COVID, I'm sure that exploded, and we'll, we'll hear, hear a little bit about that. You also recently launched Sessi Premium CBD Sesame Oil, right? Mm -hmm. Getting into yes. the CBD world, which uh, obviously has so many unbelievable uses uh, for our health, right? And wellness, which I know you're into. Mm -hmm. You are host of Get Down with Cape Town, a podcast about Korean American culture. That's cool. Uh, love podcast. As you know, we're on one right now. And you were named <laughs> Zagat 30 Under 30 uh, by New York City Culinary Rockstar Magazine, I guess, which is awesome. You were new rising chef by Food Republic in 2015. It just keeps going and going, which is great. <laughs> and now you're chef owner of Mock Bar Mrs. You, which you launched at 28. And to me, just looking through all the things that you went through, you stuck to your knitting and you kept going. And obviously now you have all these amazing things that we can experience as a consumer, right? Being in the restaurant industry. So there you go. Right. Uh, and thank you so much for being here. Uh, so let's get going. I want to... Uh, start on some cool questions. And the first question, you know, what I'm so amazed by is sort of the demeanor of how we are when we grow up as, as kids, right? Like, what do we do? We're, we're so happy and excited and everything that we're trying that's new. And, you know, I think that's when the entrepreneurial spirit is born. And when you were young, this Costco selling, you know, candy to friends, like, how did that even come about? Like, what, what made you do oh that? Oh my gosh. That's really funny. I love that you say Costco. It was, it was actually like my dad would just 
bring home like bulk items. Okay. And uh, he probably bought it at Costco. <laughs> I don't know. And he obviously bought it for the family, but I would take those and I would sell it to my friends on the school bus, you know, at school, et cetera. And it made me a quick buck. And I was like, oh, this is really fun and exciting. And, you know, you quickly become kind of like the hot commodity at school. She's selling candy, go get it from her. You know, as a kid, that's exciting. For me, it was exciting because I was like, oh, this is like how you make money. It's easy. Um, and then uh, at the age of like 12 or something, I started to apply for jobs. Uh, I just wanted to work. Like I remember going to the mall and uh, posing as a 15 year old to try to get a job because I wanted to work. I wanted to make money. That's so cool. And you read the book early on, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I guess, when you were around that age. And like, yeah. where did mm -hmm. you, where did that take you? Like, where did that take your mind? Because so, you already had this entrepreneurial spirit, right? And then obviously you read a book. Where did that take you after that? So that book I picked up, my dad used to get all these like free books from his job. So like he would bring home like boxes and boxes of like random books. So I used to read a lot um, as a kid. I remember like Goosebumps was like my favorite, but I did pick up the Rich Dad Poor Dad. I think I was like, um, I was around like 15 or 16 and I picked it up and I started reading it and it kind of like changed my entire view of just education in general. So I was like, okay, well, definitely got to go to college because First of all, my parents would freak out if I didn't go to college. And as um, a young kid, like still a student, you know that you still have to like do certain things. So even though I wasn't your like traditional student, I would go to work every day after school. I worked, you know, five, six days a week um, at a restaurant, but I still always uh, was in honors. I got straight A's. My GPA was like 3.8. You know, I I still did all of my activities I needed to. I just thought it was important to excel in everything. So, but I, I did think that, okay, well, I don't think that I really want to go the traditional route. I know that I want to have my own business one day. And the rich dad, poor dad kind of instilled that in me. That, that's great. In what, in what way? Like, is it just that you felt you had the ambition or the entrepreneurial spirit kept kicking in? Or like, what, what made you feel you couldn't just go to work for someone? Was it someone, some lesson you learned or something that, you know, you Yeah, I mean, in, in, his, in his book, he talks about like the rat race and how if you work for someone, it's gonna just always be that way forever. And also like my parents were small business owners. So, um, you know, they owned a string of dry cleaners. And also like I worked for, you know, a restaurant that was owned by, uh, Koreans like small business as well and it it just always made me feel like I definitely wanted to do my own thing it, it, it's I, I don't know if it, it was like an aha moment I just loved the idea of having my own good it's like it's a good character listen that's I guess you're living your character traits so you work younger as a younger person in a restaurant what did you learn through that experience that you think helped you today what what you know what mentor, did you have mentors? Like what, what got oh. you, uh, uh, you know, I guess to the next level from learning in that stage of your life? I think when you're, lear you're learning and working at a very, very small age, it builds sort of this uh, discipline. Um, you, you build like discipline on, 
you know, schedule, going to work, listening, doing the job and doing it the best possible way. And for me, um, I always wanted to do a good job. Right. And, and that's like just in me because I wanted to be the best at everything, you know, and it's, it's just that competitive spirit that I always had. And you, you kind of have to have that, you know, for me, it was like, okay, who can take the most tables and make the most tips and get the highest percentage of tips, like things like that really matter to me. And also it kind of gave me an insight into, you know, what the restaurant business was like. And I loved it. I loved every part of it. I loved the food, which was very important to me. I loved, loved, loved uh, what I learned um, in terms of uh, the food that I was serving, like sushi. I was exposed to like Japanese cuisine for the first time in my life. And growing up in a really small town, because I grew up in, you know, really South, you know, Dirty Jers, uh, <laughs> Atlantic City, and um, there was no real like Asian cuisine. So for me to be exposed to that, that was a really big deal. And um, I just loved like every aspect about that fast pace, you know, fast money, uh, that, that type of business. And I would earn a lot of money, John, like as a kid at 16, I would be taking home like $120 a, a night some, some days. And back then this was like the nineties, it, it, it was a lot, a lot of money, you know, it's yeah. a good, good amount of money for a student. It, it, it's so interesting. It's like, so that was your passion, right? Like a lot of people play sports when they're younger or find something sort of outside, I guess, the work world to, to focus on and be a part of. And what, what I love about what you're saying is that everything interests you, everything that like the competitive part of it, right? That, so it's sort of like you found your passion early and it was not work. It was more like, like a learning experience of an, an inquiry into what is going to make you as a person today, which is, which is incredible. Obviously, work ethic. So, so how did work ethic come into play? You know, you know obviously, we mm -hmm. want to work like balance. We talk about that. You know, I'm, I'm not so exactly sure what that means, except, you know, I know there's a time and a place for everything. But how did you, <laughs> how did you uh, get through that when you were younger? as far as doing other things, or you just threw your whole self into this? I think that for me, finding life in work is very important, right? So um, work shouldn't feel like work to me, at least, you know, like I, I have to enjoy what I do. Like I said, um, I am very disciplined and I have work ethic, but if I don't like something, I ain't doing it. Like that, that's for sure. Like when I was uh, in pharmacy school, which I did for like a quick two years um, because of my parents, <laughs> I knew from the day, from like the first year I knew like, okay, I, I don't like this. I'm not doing it. So I already like had, after the first year, I had already had a plan of like leaving pharmacy school. So it's, it's, it's sort of like, you have to do what you really love to be successful at it. And for me, it was very much so that, so like when I would go to work, it wouldn't feel like work. I really liked it. I really liked interacting with my customers, with um, with obviously the other staff. And I became like best friends with the chef. He used to teach me how to cook like these extraordinary dishes. And for me, it's like finding that experience in everything that I do and that I enjoy. That's what mattered to me. So it didn't really feel like work, but I'm not going to lie. There were days that I would come home you know, at midnight beat and I would have to get up at six in the morning to go to school. And it would just be, I, I would be exhausted. And I'm not going to lie. It took a lot out of me, but 
I, I still was very, very stubborn about my work. And my parents only let me work if I did well in school. So like if I, if my grades started to fall, they would be like, nope, no more. So I, I had to maintain both of that. You know, I, I say this over and over. I, I feel if you find and know your character traits, right? Because we all have them. We all have 24 <laughs> of them. We all have them in different order based on what our, what our uh, makeup is. Once you find them, I, I think you can get to that feeling where it isn't always, listen, work is work. I mean, there's good and right. bad in it. I mean, you know, but what I love about what you're saying, you always found the fun part of why you were doing it. You, you, you keep mentioning, he would taught me this, she taught me that, you know, I was involved with the chef. Like, you know, I think when you go to work and you, you got to look for the good, not just the mundane tasks that we all have to do, right? And that's mm -hmm. why if you find something that matches up with you personally, with your character traits, you'll last long enough for you to keep moving on and keep getting to actually do more of what you really like to do as you get, you know, longer in your career and more chances and more opportunities. So I, I love that. And, right. but, but you, you know, you almost like did it like in an unbelievable way, like you work two shifts, like, like, first of all, most people don't do that. What, what made you do that? <laughs> was it just this unbelievable learning experience or was it money or like what made you actually go to that extent? Let's be real, John, you know, money has a lot to do with it. <laughs> I love I, it. Okay. So uh, another thing about, you know, making money that's so great is that for me, you could spend it, right? And at a young age, at like, you know, 16, 17, I'm making like, you know, some weeks, 800 bucks a week in cash. This was for me, like I dressed the best in school. I bought whatever I wanted to. I treated all of my friends. I always picked up the bill and that's my thing because it makes me so happy to do that. But also it might be an ego thing. It doesn't matter. It makes me feel good. So I do it, right? And um, also I, you know, would give my parents some allowance, you know, at a young age to be able to do that was a big deal for me. And I was really proud of that. And I would even give my sister in college allowance to, because she didn't work. She just went to her classes and she was a college student, but you know, I'm in high school. I would be making a lot of money. So I'll give my sister some allowance too. So for me, it, it was the act of like making money and then being able to spend it in the way that I wanted to, because I had then full control. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, I think you know this, but like, you know, it's the, classic most manipulative skill that you can have but it's like controlling and being able to like give people what they want and, okay. and for me I, I started learning that at a very early age well that's good so obviously it's not just a linear road right I mean this whole podcast is on the myth to overnight success and you just started at such a young age which you know people need to realize that it doesn't happen quickly I mean you, in theory, started your brain working being an entrepreneur when you're mm -hmm. nine, 10 years old, right? You, you would have literally given up college and just went right to work if, if you could, right? I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. but your parents instilled certain Definitely. values that they want, which is fine. I think that was, you know, probably worked out for you, right? Without even realizing it at mm -hmm. the time. But what do you feel kept you going through the worst times? Before we get to the pinnacle of where you are now, because it's unbelievable right. what you're doing now. What got you through when it didn't feel so good? When, you know, you were working the oh, two man. shifts, you know, because I think people mm -hmm. 
they look at you and they're going to look at you and they look at everyone that we have in this show like oh my god like it's it, uh, how do i get there how does this happen and you know war stories of where it doesn't go right is where i think people can really resonate with because we're feeling them every day right um I love that you say that because seriously, people always like to see the best part of the glamorous part of being an entrepreneur or especially being a chef, which is a very, very difficult profession. Um, I remember still the hardest moment of my career is when I first opened my first business, when I actually became an entrepreneur. So when I first opened Mock Bar in Chelsea Market, that was my first location when I was 28 years old. And I had no idea what I was doing, but I remember beyond all that, beyond not knowing what you're doing and, and it was very successful. So, you know, I got really lucky, but also I worked really hard, but working hard and being lucky and being successful. That's only like some of the things that people hear about, you know, the, the awful part is that when you actually become an entrepreneur, your, your brain has to change. I think for me, that was really difficult because I didn't know. I didn't expect it. I think that's the biggest thing. Like I didn't expect it to be so hard mentally. And I'm, like physically I can work, I was working already like hundred hour weeks. I worked more, I think before I was an entrepreneur, like in, in terms of like working hard and grinding and paying my dues. But, but I think like me mentally what it does to you is like, you have to like really kind of like shift your personality, your brain, your, the way of life. and and another tough part is everyone around me kept saying like, oh, you're, you're, you change, you're different. You're not the same person that you used to be. And I used to get that a lot in the beginning. In, in, what, it, respect? It's, it's in what respect? In what respect? In what respect? Like what, what do you I think mean like, by that? Um, I think because I was um, trying to figure out who I was within that world, um, it, it, it changed my personality a little, meaning like I was under a lot of stress you know, I, I didn't know exactly who I was and I, I kind of became like, um, hidden, like it, a little, a little bit more introverted yeah. because I used to, I'm very introverted. I don't know. It, it's like, I was in my own thoughts a lot and, you know, it seemed like I was in a dark place, but it was just like, I just needed to figure out who I was. I needed time. And, um, especially, you know, living with like my sister, she would, she would be like, she would feel that a lot and tell me, you know, what's wrong? Why, why are you changing so much? Why are you so different? Things like that. But um, I think it's just something that you have to go through as an entrepreneur and having to realize like what you are doing and who you are becoming. And um, yeah, it, it did really change me. I'm a completely different person. I always say, I always joke around, oh, pre-business and post-business Esther, you know, uh, like it's two different people, completely well, listen, two you, different you had people. no money. You had to win this competition for, I mean, Chelsea Market's one of the coolest places for the coolest new concepts, right? I mean, unbelievable traffic. You had to win. You had to put a business plan together. You had no money. And I love it. Like your, your, your work ethic training was there, but you saw it was a whole nother thing that you were unsure about. So how did you believe in yourself enough, not having anything and all this uncertainty to actually pull it off? Like, what was the trials and tribulations of that oh, journey? I think that sometimes you feel like you have no choice but to succeed. And that was my mentality. There was, there was no other way. You just had, I just had to do it. You know, you just, you just, you know, 
you do it in a way where there is no other option, right? And for me, that that was the case. And, you know, fear of failure, like that didn't even exist to me because I was so busy just focusing on being like getting my goals done. Like, let's say I have, a, you know, long-term goal, great. But you have to have short-term goals and be able to achieve every single one of that to, to get to the long-term goals. And it has to be very realistic too. And that's one thing about me. I am a very realistic person. Like, yes, people think that some of the goals that I have seem unrealistic, but to me, they're like pretty realistic. And I, and I know my situation very, very well. And I've been through so many obstacles, um, getting through things and making it work. And that's the beauty of hospitality too. Um, there, there are ways that you can make it work, you know, and, and, and I, I feel like hospitality is a little flexible in that way, where if you're smart enough, quick enough, you, you can do it. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So you opened up in 2014 was the first one, right? Mm-hmm. And then 17 was, was Brooklyn, right? 2017. Yes. Yes. Brooklyn and location, you, which so hard. <laughs> yeah. Listen yeah. To and nothing. then um, that's, yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was going to say that same year I opened Miss You, the cocktail bar, the same year I opened Brooklyn, which was like insane. It was just crazy. And sometimes I think entrepreneurs do really crazy things because yeah, like I say, I say I'm realistic, but you know, to a lot of people, I, I'm a very unrealistic person too. I, I make some crazy goals and I'm just like, I'm going to do all of these things. I still kind of do that, I guess. But it takes a little bit of crazy to be an entrepreneur. Come on, John, you know. I, I think that without even a doubt, if you look at the greatest things that ever happened, you know, innovative wise in our society was someone believing in something that, I mean, Elon Musk is the one today, right? I mean, no one thought he could right. deliver the electric vehicle market on his own. And he survived. And at one point, you never thought he was going to. And here he is today. So, yes, I, I think crazy is sometimes the only way you can change anything. Because it's crazy mm -hmm. until it's not, right? Uh, right. You so. just, crazy works sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. So, all right. So, here you go. You got, you got, you, you were crazy, right? You thought you could do it and you did it, right? And you, you had no real uh, reason why you thought you could accept the belief in yourself, which the one thing I've gotten to know about you, you believe in yourself and you have such great humility. And I know obviously uh, that means a lot to you, right? I know mm -hmm. you're very, you know, your family and what you were taught is humility is what makes the world go around. So how does that affect someone with, which is so driven how do you combine humility and drive together as a magic potion for success? I think you said it right before, John, you know, there's a time and place for everything. And that goes with, you know, having drive and being super confident, but also humility, making sure that you're not going too far and knowing your place in a sense where there's still so much to learn and you, you're not the best at it at everything, you know, and, and it's, it's so hard, even now it's so hard to balance the two because sometimes the humility gets to you and I, I just don't feel like confident, but then you have to be super confident to, you know, to portray a certain image and, you know, especially doing a lot of TV, you know, judging, you have to have a certain stance. So, you know, balancing the two is very difficult, especially, you know, I'm a leader of a company 
with over, you know, 100 employees, you have to have a certain type of, you know, image, confidence, because I'm leading these, these guys, you know, and if I have to believe in it so that everyone else believes in it. Yeah. So, um, but also I, I do feel like it's important to um, keep an open mind. And I know you said this before, but like um, experiencing uh, is the most important thing for me, like being experimental, uh, trying different things and especially trying something new like that, that to me is the ultimate, you know, ultimate thing um, to being successful because yes, you, you try 10 things, one will always work. Like that, that's what I always believe in. And if you don't have an open mind to trying new things, then how do you know? And how do you grow from there? You just stay stagnant. Well, and like, you don't look at it as, as failure. I, I mean, mm-hmm. like you either have an open mindset or a fixed mindset, right? The open mindset mm-hmm. looks at something that didn't go right. Maybe it's another way to pivot, look at something a different way, you know, try something new. And, you know, talking about what we all just went through with COVID, Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, so so let's talk a little bit about about that, because like here you are, you know, as much as in your own mind, you had to deal with what failure meant and uncertainty meant and having this unbelievable belief system for yourself to be the entrepreneur that you are today. And it was years in the making. You know, there's always these unforeseen circumstances like COVID. So here you are mm-hmm. opening restaurants and then finally getting them going and then the worst disaster uh, you know, occurs. So, so how did you get through that? And, 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 and maybe bring in this uh, cook unity, which, uh, is a fantastic mm-hmm. concept that's can, you know, can scale in a different way. So, and, and why were you even in that knowing that you were doing the other thing? So how did you, cause it's like a diversification mm-hmm. thing. So when COVID hit game on, what happened? It was crazy. Yeah, it was cra- I mean, on it, like, so we were supposed to have our most successful year yet um, for our company. You know, I had a whole plan, even for my um, my personal growth um, as, you know, um, like, a, like a TV chef or, or things like that with my production company. It was supposed to be our best year yet. And then COVID hit. And, you know, when it, when it happened, I was extremely calm. Um, for some reason, I, I just felt peace. It, it was okay. You know, like, every, but I think it's because everyone else was freaking out so much that you, like, I can't be a leader and then freak out with them. You know, it just doesn't, you can't do that. So I was extremely calm and I was like, it's, a, we're going to, we're going to have a plan. We, we have a plan. We're going to make plans and we'll, we'll take it week by week. And that's what we did. And you know, it was incredible, John. COVID changed my life. It changed my company's life. We are more successful now than we were before COVID. And that's because of that entrepreneurial spirit, like we were talking about, and it, it being experimental. Every opportunity that I had to try something new, to bring in a new revenue stream in, in this different world we were living in, um, that that's what it came to. And it was really fun for me, actually. Like, learning about all these different ways to, you know, bring in revenue and through hospitality was so interesting to me that everyone was doing something different, you know, whether it be like O'Neill kits or, you know, personal home deliveries or even like delivering pantry items or even um, creating like CPG products, like, like 
a lot of different things that you can do. And that's the thing about being an entrepreneur. You, you create your own destiny. So that's what I was doing. I, I tried, I partnered up with some incredible companies. Um, a lot, a lot of them, you know, probably I tried like, you know, maybe 10 different things. We were always changing gears and bringing in different revenues from different, um, different, uh, different areas of the yeah. business. And, and um, from there, not everything worked, obviously. Like, that's crazy. You can't, you know, you can't make everything work <laughs> and yep. everything is not going to work. That's the thing. And I knew that I was like, it doesn't matter because out of these 10 things, one will work. And it did cook unity brought in so much revenue. Why don't you tell everybody one. about cook unity? Cause I think it's uh -huh. an amazing thing. Give them a little background right. on what cook unity is. So cook unity is a meal prep service as a consumer. What you do is it's, it's, um, a subscription service where you go on the platform and you can get up to like five to seven meals or maybe 10 to 15, however many meals you want a week. And you choose what meals you want from the best chefs um, in your area. So, you know, it's all started from uh, Cook Unity partnering with John George, which they were very smart to partner up with such a, you know, high-end chef that has such a high profile. They utilize that to bring on more celebrity chefs. Um, so they brought on, you know, um, they brought on me. <laughs> they brought on like JJ Johnson. They brought on um, like Enon and Moni. They brought on Mark Forgione, all of these like amazing chefs in New York. And um, obviously they were, they partnered with these chefs saying like, okay, listen, you can use your empty dining room to make your meals in the restaurant and we'll guarantee you know, sell over 500 meals and we'll give you a dollar, we'll give you like $3 per meal. Like if there was a number, it depends now, on what's here. Was this going are. on before COVID? Was this concept for, for them? Were they, were they established before COVID? So they were, but not in the sense where they were utilizing, you know, famous chefs. They were just doing it as like a regular meal plan service, which, you know, there's so, so many out there. Um, so they were doing it in that way, but then um, the founder figured out, figured out how to, you know, how to market it in a different way and how to partner up with, with chefs and, and um, restaurants that have such a high profile. And he used COVID as that kind of uh, stepping stone. And I mean, COVID was probably the reason why he even um, figured out, like, there's this amazing idea behind this. So, was this one um, of the 10 things that you were trying? Like, did you seek this yes. out or did they seek you out? You, you, you sought this so out? It, so it was a combination of both. Some companies seeked me out, but then I seek some companies out. So in this case, Cook Unity came to me. Yeah, they came to me. Um, so immediately I was like, of course, let's do it. Let's try it out and see how it is. And from day one, uh, after I saw what the first week was like, I dropped every other project and I, I focused, I zoned in on Cook Unity because I, I knew, I knew this was it. This was it for us. All right. So that's the lesson I take from you as everything mm -hmm. I know about you is you're not afraid to try a lot of things to get to the one. And which means mm -hmm. you have to be ready to fail at a lot of things before you get yeah. to the one. And knowing that that one's coming and having the you know ability to feel that it's around the corner got you to that point. And what I find interesting is that if COVID didn't happen, you never probably would have done it because you would have mm -hmm. not been- Why would I do it? 
Yeah. Why would you do it? Yeah. And now, yeah. I mean, as far as what it's adding to your company, would you say it's a, it's like one of the most successful parts of what you're doing now or no? Oh, a thousand percent, John. I mean, I, I'm amazed at how successful it's been. And, um, and it's not the most, see, that's the thing. It's like, I wouldn't have done it before COVID because there's no glamour in a, in a business like that, or, you know, as a restaurateur or, you know, as a chef there, it, it, it's not very glamorous. So when some of my chef friends asked me about the platform, it depends on what type of chef you are. You know, if you're going for your three Michelin, I'd be like, don't do it. It's going to ruin your image because then you're never going to get your three Michelin. But if you're in it to like make serious money, right? hell yes. Hell yes. And for but, me, but, all, but also, think, also, uh, you know, you're trying something new that absolutely you're unsure of what that even, I mean, you say Michelin, but you don't, you don't know, but you're not, you're, you're not, you're still willing to do it. Right. So I, I think that, um, it, you know, it depends on your personality as a chef, right? Uh, for me, I'm very entrepreneurial. I think I I'm definitely an entrepreneur first and then I'm a chef second. I don't know. I don't want to say that because sometimes I'm like, I'm a chef, uh, but, but really I'm an entrepreneur. And for me, it's so extraordinary to be working with a company that focuses on tech. And, you know, obviously tech is a huge, huge part of entrepreneurial, you know, life. Yeah. And I, I really, I really wanted to combine, like, I really wanted to like get into that business. And this was kind of like my segue in. I now work with one of like the largest, like, food tech companies and they're really using technology to expand their brand. They raised an insane amount of money and they're expanding really, really fast, really rapidly. And I want to be a part of that ride. And it, and I have been, and it's been super exciting. I get to kind of dictate some of the decisions that are made in, in company expansion. I mean, it's a true partnership and that's what's so beautiful about it. You know, the CEO of Cocunity and I are really close talk about ideas all the time and it's really exciting great concept i i love it i i, I love you know listen at the end of the day we're gonna with technology we're learning how to serve different people in different ways right uh obviously mm -hmm. you know everyone wants to go out to a restaurant but it's nice that you're delivering something at that quality you know where you don't have to leave mm -hmm. your house if you don't want to leave your house H how is this technology and this understanding of how to operate a business that way help your existing business with Mock Bar and Mrs. Yu. How has it, how has it helped you? Uh, have you learned things that you can implement back in the brick and mortar, you know, concept? Uh, definitely. I think a lot of it comes from like management of staff because that's a huge part of hospitality. Obviously it's a very uh, people-driven business. So learning structure and learning structure like from community and using like technology in that way and bringing it back to the restaurants have been insane and also, you know, um, revenue in general, like, and, and on, on the finance end, you know, figuring out like what community is doing right and how do we bring that to the restaurants, right? Like that, that's been super insightful as well. So, you know, always comparing numbers and also, you know, having, uh, my, my cook unity operation compete with my restaurant operation, you know, they're always kind of like, competing in a sense where like sales and you know your your costs and and weighing both Th that has been super you know fun as well 
So um, I think generally speaking, it's it's such a big part of you know um, my business now, Makbar, the our company. That um, yeah, it, there's it's. Well, it's, and also it's half think and half. about the yeah, think about the exposure, like like mm-hmm. the the, right. the, the, the reach that you get because now you can scale up in a much faster way. So the way I look at it for you, which obviously I know you're thinking about this, is you're in other states already having people try and love your food before you even move in with a brick and mortar right. concept. It's sort of like all the internet companies, right? Like Warby Parker and, you know, they, they started out as a digital native and now they're all putting stores in because that halo effect that you get with retail brick and mortar and with, with inter, you know, internet orders. So and, you're, and John, you're I love that you say that. that. Yeah. I love that you said that because it is true. After we open in all the cities, right now we've expanded in four cities. Um, but you can compare the sales. Like there's some cities that are at, like that. There's no doubt it's like a success. Like we're going to be, we're so busy there. You know, the growth is insane. And some cities are not, they're like a lot slower. So you kind of can gauge where you could do really, really well by opening up a physical location if I were to go that route. And think about that. Imagine like most people would open a brick and mortar store first, right? Mm-hmm. That's way more expensive and way more of a risk mm-hmm. that you don't have to do to finally go out and see your customer in a different way. I, I think it's tremendous because I think, you know, they both of them together create an unbelievable effect of, of uh, a product and a service. And it's proving it right now with all the digital native brands having brick and mortar. I mean, look at Amazon, Amazon, Whole Foods and all the, you know, the brick and mortar right. stores that they're going to actually do moving forward to mm-hmm. have that combination effect as well. So that was smart. And right. the great thing is you did it out of just no choice. Wasn't a master plan, <laughs> right? Like, like, right. It was yeah, just, I like, know. you weren't afraid to try it, which is what, you know, I believe most of our greatest things come through an indirect way, but we're willing to at least try it and not worry about what right. it's going to be. And like, I love what you said, not worrying about the end result, right? Because we don't know the end result. We're mm-hmm. always wrong uh, when we probably look back. <laughs> always. Of, right, exactly. <laughs> so, so listen, I just want to say, I, like I said, I wanted to be energized. This has been very energizing. <laughs> You're amazing. You know, I, I just wish you all the best. I know everyone that's going to listen to this mock bar, and I know we're opening a new one in the Gateway Center in Newark. So we're very we excited are. about that. We can't wait for that. We're excited to, to you're going to have, you know, you're coming to that community, uh, New Jersey. We love New Jersey. Uh, but Mrs. You, right? Mock bar, mm-hmm. Cook Unity. Mm-hmm. I don't know where else would people find you. Uh, you do so many things uh, on Instagram. Instagram. Your, <laughs> okay. Esther Choi. My you have beautiful food uh, pr- presentations <laughs> on your Instagram. Yes. My handle yeah. is Choi Bites. Uh, you can find me on I'm on Instagram a lot. Uh, but yeah, my restaurants, Cook Unity, especially it's nationwide. Uh, so definitely you can get access to my meals. And Gateway Center is special to me, John, because I'm going back to my roots. I'm a Jersey girl. Remember, never forget where you come from. What I, I, I'm so happy. Listen, you believing in it is just, you know, tremendous feeling for us because you can go anywhere. And I love that you want to and respect your roots. That's that's how I was brought up myself. Like, never forget who helped you, where you came from, humility, 
you know, anything can change at a moment's notice, which we obviously felt through COVID, right? Like you think you have everything going on until boom, something changes. So, so exactly. thank you so much. Uh, we know your time's valuable, so we're going to let you go, even though we can speak to you another hour at least. <laughs> uh, and enjoy the day and thank you. John, thank you so much for having me. This was an amazing conversation. And now I feel like energized too. Like I'm going to go like do something crazy. <laughs> there you go. Crazy. We love crazy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you.